going to go ahead. I want you, this is a holy moment. I want you to lift your hands. Come on. Bread of heaven, fall. Fresh bread. Bread of heaven, fall. Mm, yesterday's bread won't make it. It will not cut it. Bread of heaven, fall. Come on, receive it. Sometimes you have to grab it. And this morning, get the bread of heaven. Bread of heaven, fall. Jesus, Jesus, we turn our hearts to you. Bread of heaven, fall. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. If it's not of you, it's got to leave this holy place in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, the moldy bread has to go. Fresh bread. Your body is actual food. And God, we come to consume this morning. Oh, Jesus. Do what you want to do, Lord. Put me behind the cross. Get me out of the way, Jesus. And move only the way you can. Holy, holy, holy. Blessed are those who wait upon the Lord. And we're just going to wait a few minutes. He also says those that wait on the Lord will not be ashamed. Some of you have been waiting. Some of you have been praying. Some of you have been hoping. And I believe that bread is here this morning. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Keep us here, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Man, I felt like I was going to explode in worship. <laughs> it's been a while since I've got up and just yelled, but <laughs> sometimes it's got to, when it's there, man, it's got to just go, you know. Uh, wow. This is one of the podcasts I listen to. His intro is, he says every podcast, this is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. And I, I love following Jesus. I want you to think about this. Before he created the heavens and the earth, before anything, he chose us for this hour. I I heard a pastor say it this way. It's the fourth quarter, three seconds left, and they want the ball in Jordan's hands. He's putting the ball in our hands. Oh, I believe this is an hour that we are going to see Jesus manifest like never before. And, uh, you know, I, I had... I had a radical encounter a few months ago, and I'm not going to tell all the details. I, I think the only person I've really told is Roe and my wife. And um, For the first time in five years, Jesus unraveled every detail of my calling. Every detail. And it really rocked me, you know. It really just shook me to the core. And uh, it, it's it's taken Daniela and I. It's forced our our our, our spirits to either go deeper, or we're just going to go lukewarm. I don't know how any other way to say it. They have to go deeper. It's we have to take Jesus and set Him as preeminence overall. And as we've done that, I mean, you guys, you know, you have a great worship team, and and you you get to have uh, Daniela, and you know that she hears the voice of God so clearly. And I've been in the room when literally she shifted the dial from the song that she had planned to the song of heaven. And we've moved. God said, listen, I, I love that my you've always invited my presence to come. But in this hour, we have to shift to letting the glory manifest. And I've literally been in the room when Daniela has shifted the dial, even if the 
I don't know, the chords or the notes or the key, whatever they are, didn't work for the song. She started singing the song of heaven and the glory manifest and God literally reigned in the room. And when they say teenagers don't preach for over 15 minutes, don't do this, don't do that. That's the that's the structure in the world today for youth ministry. But when you welcome the glory of God, I don't care what age group you are, everything bows and every tongue confesses and it overrides every person's free will. And King Jesus takes the throne and I, I, I'm standing out of the way. I, I'm standing out of the way and we have seen the Lord move in such mightily ways. And, and so I believe when the world says we'll never go back to the way things were, they're right. They just don't know the reason. They don't know what God is saying. So they're just, they're, they're confused. They're lost. But I'm telling you, we're never going back to the way things used to be. Sunday morning Christianity is over. I heard it said this way, $40 in two hours is not going to cut it. $40 in two hours is not going to cut it. So, um, I, I, you know, I, Daniela and I just got done with a three-part series. We intended to only be an hour, but we did it with the youth on calling. We had to take back, as our pastor says, take back the language. So we had to take back the language instead of just saying you have a calling over your life, and then they're confused and don't know who to go to. And we saw the power of God fall. And he's been stirring and stirring and stirring. And so this morning, pastor asked me to speak, I don't know, maybe the beginning of the month. See, I'm bad about getting my days confused. So when I say the other day, could have been yesterday, could have been six months ago. I have no idea. <laughs> that must be my country roots coming out. You know, the other day could have been last year. Pastor asked me to preach the other day. And uh, here we are. And I, I said, Lord, I don't have anything to say. So what do you want to say? And this morning, we're going to talk about the fear of the Lord. Teresa got up last week and said, you don't hear about that much anymore. And I'm like, settle, Teresa, don't take my message now. You just, listen, got to go back to the prayer room and figure out what he wants to say. <laughs> so uh, tonight we're diving in, or this morning, I'm sorry, I get confused. Tonight, this morning, there it is, this morning we're diving in. There it is, we're diving in. We're going to talk about the fear of the Lord. And I believe this is going to bring a holy reverence over you. I believe this is going to bring a shift in your time with the Lord. It's going to bring a shift in your intimacy with the Lord. Rose said something the other day. <laughs> there it is again. The other day, I don't know when it was. He said, uh, you know, I'm going to keep preaching on the light. I, I can't keep moving forward just to move forward. And that answered what the Lord all last year. I preached on intimacy and first love. And, and this year, 2021, as it started, I said, God, what do you want me to preach on? Intimacy. <laughs> and he said, no, no, you keep preaching until you see it manifest. Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if we're seeing politics, seeing fear, we're seeing opinions, my doctrine, my theology, you're not in love. And I, I don't ever want to offend you. But I also have to stand in front of God. And I, I can't say, well, man, I, you know, I know Roe feels the same way. So I'm going to group us together, even though I'm going to take his pool stick later. We, we, we stand more in the fear of the Lord because we have to answer to him 
than to look and say, yeah, but we gained 50 people this year. We're doing all right. We're doing all right. No, we're going to have to stand in front of God and give an account for the words that we spoke. For the times he met with you in his office. For the times you bought him coffee. And I hope you buy me coffee. We're going to have to answer for the times and what we spoke. And listen, I love the church today, but I'm a little concerned that we've lost the fear of the Lord. And when you lose the fear of the Lord, you lose the manifestation of the Lord. And then what? So if the Lord doesn't come, I don't want to be here. I love you guys. See you on the golf course or something. I'll be in the wood shop. Catch me and Noah making some tables. That's my, that's my pitch for pathway. I'm doing my part this year, Noah. But when God is moving and he has a word, I want to be there. I don't want to miss any more moments in worship and prayer on the street corner in Walmart. Come on. We're going in. Put your seatbelts on. God, how do we get this train on the tracks? Help me. (laughs) Sometimes I get wound up and I go too fast. So I'm going to try to pace myself. And I got my wife over there giving me giving me eyes contact and signals. It's like faster, slower, keep moving. You're too far. Keep going. One day I'll get as anointed as she is. <clears throat> so we're going to talk about the fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter nine, verse 10. Put that in your notes. It says this for the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Park it right there if you wanted to. How many of you would agree we need wisdom in this hour? Because I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't matter who sits in the chair of the presidency. They can't give the wisdom that we need. I don't care which side you voted for. Listen, they can't give you the wisdom. We're we're past that. Listen, that ship has sailed. We need the wisdom from on high. What else does this? Look what the scriptures say. I'm not going to just preach my opinion. Look, I'm going to preach the word of God. Also in the scriptures, the fear of the Lord brings knowledge. The fear of the Lord gets you to hate evil. The fear of the Lord is treasure. The fear of the Lord is clean. The fear of the Lord is true. The fear of the Lord is righteousness. The fear of the Lord is confidence. The fear of the Lord is a blessing. The fear of the Lord is discernment. The fear of the Lord is a refuge for your children. Somebody get that. Come on, don't miss it. Reach up and grab that. The fear of the Lord is stability. The fear of the Lord is wealth. The fear of the Lord is life. And the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that will never run dry. So if you think this sermon doesn't matter, I don't know what your Christianity is. Because that's everything. That's all. That's King Jesus in himself. That's the fear of the Lord. And I, I, I quit counting how many times it says in the Proverbs and the Psalms, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I, I, I just quit counting after six. Maybe that's because I was running out of fingers and whatever. You know what I'm saying? I'm, anyways, so the fear of the Lord, this is vital. Isaiah chapter, chapter 11, verse 2. I mean, I preached this to a small group for like six months. Isaiah 11, verse 2. This is... The Holy Spirit. In Revelation, it calls this the seven spirits around the throne of God. And here's, here's some of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. He's the Spirit of the Lord. He's the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. He's the Spirit of wisdom. He's the Spirit of knowledge. He's the Spirit of understanding. His, he's the Spirit of might. And He's the Spirit of counsel. And later in that scripture, it says, and He delights in the fear of the Lord. Well, I'm a new covenant believer. I believe in love. I don't know what I believe in the fear of the Lord. Read your Bible. Matthew chapter 10, verse 27 through 31, I think. Jesus teaches the fear of the Lord. He said, don't fear those who can kill the body. But he says, fear that fear the one who can kill the spirit and the soul. Fear of the Lord is not out of style. It isn't trendy. 
It's vital in our walk today. The fear of the Lord. So it's not a New Testament. It's not an Old Testament thing. It's a Jesus thing. It's a kingdom thing. Without the fear of the Lord, there's no manifestation. Those that say, well, we believe God is love. You're right. But listen to 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us. You can't love or receive love without the fear of the Lord. So I don't know what you're loving. I don't know what you're doing. What, what, what that means is you've taken secular world definitions of love, put it in your box, labeled it Jesus, and walked in that. And that's why there's no breakthrough. That's why there's no power. That's why there's no provision. That's why there's no wisdom. That's why there's no knowledge. That's why there's no light. Come on, we're going to get in this thing. We're just getting the fire started up in the steam engine. We haven't started rolling yet. Corey Russell says this. He's from Upper Room Church. Listen to this. Oh, this is good. You're going to want to write this down. The fear of the Lord is the banks in which the river of the love of God flows. So for those of you that say, I'm just love, you have to have the fear of the Lord to bank those waters to run through you. Let me say it again. The fear of the Lord are the banks of the river in which the love of God flows. Come on. I don't even know if I fully grasp that yet. I'm just chewing on it. He's got a cool southern accent, too. I wish I could say it as, (laughs) okay, I won't try it. Daniela's like, no, that was one of the hand signals. No, no. The fear of the Lord is the banks of the river. And some of you guys, I've been here. I'm not preaching from just thoughts. I'm preaching from experience. I know I'm young. I know I've only been walking this five, five and a half years, but I've experienced this. If you don't banks, if you don't have the banks of the fear of God, your water just runs everywhere and eventually you're out of water. Eventually you give up. Eventually you don't have anything to give. You can't have Christianity without Christ. I've heard it said this way. Christianity without Christ is Ian. And Ian can't do anything for you. (laughs) Ian don't matter. Except for that Ian. We need Christ. And there's a fear of the Lord that we have to walk in. That we're called to walk in. You want to talk about calling. God's invited us. Invited us to say, listen, you can have more of me if you walk in the fear of the Lord. And later on, I'm going to define, give you a definition of the fear of the Lord that I think is going to wreck you. But... I'm trying to let not get the train ahead of the tracks or whatever. So our scripture today that we're going to be planted in is Matthew chapter 25. And I'm going to be reading out of the Passion Translation. Matthew chapter 25. And I'm going to break some church growth rules. Pastor has already made that clear that we do that here. I'm going to read more than two scriptures. I'm going to read Matthew chapter 25 verses 1 through 13. Bear with me if you can hang on with my voice that long. So, Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. This is the parable of the ten virgins. And listen, I believe this is us. I believe this is us in this hour. These ten virgins is the church. And it's going to show 2020 and where we're going in 2021. I don't want us to just skip over 2020 as thank God it's over. I don't want you to stay stuck, as pastor would say, but I want you to let Holy Spirit come in and teach you about the things that you dealt with in 2020. I need the wisdom of God to know what I've been through and where I'm going. I need the fear of the Lord in this hour. So the parable of the ten virgins, Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. At the time my coming draws near, heaven's kingdom realm can can be compared to ten maidens who took their oil lamps and went outside to meet the bridegroom and his bride. 
Five of them were foolish and ill-prepared, for they took no extra oil for their lamps. Five of them were wise and sensible, for they took flask of olive oil with their lamps. When the bridegroom didn't come when they expected, they all grew drowsy and fell asleep. Then suddenly, there that word is, then suddenly. Then suddenly, in the middle of the night, they were awakened by the shout, Get up, the bridegroom is here. Come out and have an encounter with him. So there's an encounter first. The bridegroom is here. Come out and have an encounter with him. So all the girls got up, trimmed their lamps, but the foolish ones were running out of oil. So they said to the five wise ones, share your oil with us because our lamps are going out. We can't, they replied. We don't have enough for all of us. You'll have to go and buy some for yourselves. While the five girls went out buying oil, the bridegroom appeared. Those who were ready and waiting were escorted inside with him in the wedding party to enjoy the feast. And then the door was locked. Later, the five foolish girls came running up to the door and pleaded, Lord, Lord, let us come in. But he called, go away, I do not know you. I can assure you, I don't even know you. Last verse, verse 13. That is the reason you should always stay awake, be alert, because you don't know the day or hour when the bridegroom will appear. Mm, hallelujah. Come on, God, get us. Get us, Lord. Do what only you can do. The Bible calls us stewards of the mysteries of the kingdom. And I believe that he has revealed something to me, a mystery in this scripture for this hour, for this people. That is going to bring in and usher in a new breath of God, a new wave of God over our lives. The ten virgins are the church. There's five foolish and five wise. The five foolish didn't bring their oil. They missed the encounter and they missed the return. We don't want to be the five foolish ones. Amen. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verses one through three. There's in this scripture, and I, I hope I don't upset or, or make some of you tune off. But second Thessalonians chapter two, verses one through thir- three. There's a scripture, and in the passage of scripture, it talks about the great falling away. And uh, I, I believe we have seen a great falling away in 2020. We walked through a great shaking throughout the nations. We walked through a great shaking throughout the church. And, 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 and I believe that that is a glimpse of what's talked about in Second Thessalonians with the great falling away. Now, what I want you to understand is falling away doesn't mean I don't come to church. Second Thessalonians, the great falling away doesn't mean I don't give my tithe. Doesn't mean I'm not in the word. We have to understand the falling away is, is this morning such a prophetic sound of I surrender. I believe in the ears of God was I do. I do. I, I, I'll meet you at the altar. He's, you know, she's walking down the aisle. We're coming to meet our bridegroom. I, I believe that that falling away is when you fall out of that place of I surrender. You start to let other things take the throne in your life. But you're still sitting in church on Sunday morning. You're still reading your Bible. Your Instagram, what's that called? Bio still has a scripture in it. I see people literally posting things, talking about things, but then they'll turn around and say, I just, I just love Jesus. You might love him, but you don't fear him. And if you don't have the banks of the fear of the Lord, the river and the waters of God can't flow. And I'm afraid, friends, if you don't have the fear of the Lord, you're going to be counted as one of the five foolish virgins. That when he comes back, you're going to say, but I was at church. Come on. I, I, 
Man, I put my tithe in. You know, I, 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 all these things, come on. I, I did, I did registration for the women's thing. By the way, I'm still waiting on the men to get riled up. I'll keep going. Uh, I'll keep going. I'm going to stop. I want, I want my father-in-law to have me speak again. Listen, the great falling away. I believe we're there. We've turned our gaze to other people, other, other gods, other idols, other things. We've opened our ears to other frequencies, other wavelengths. We, listen, we've opened our heart. The, the scriptures talk about you've laid in the bed with other idols. We've made ourselves vulnerable. Woo! Come on, God. There's a great falling away that's happened. And listen, before the new encounter, before the, the coming of our, of our King, of our Lord, of our Savior, the great falling away will happen. So I'm telling you, don't, don't be afraid. Don't live in fear. Don't be anxious. Don't be worrisome. Discern the times. Discern what we're going through. I love the scriptures. I love how I could just see Jesus talking to me and a group of people and being like, how foolish are you? You can look up in the sky and see that it's going to rain and storm and all these different things, but you can't see the times and what I'm doing. Yes, I'm, a, I'm moving in maybe mysterious ways, but I called you the steward of the mysteries. Man, there's as much of God as you desire. And so I think this great falling away is something we have seen as I've plugged in with young people. I have learned a new thing. I did grow up in the sticks because I didn't know what was going on in my generation. I didn't realize, listen, this generation is ripe for harvest. This generation is dying for spiritual connection. I didn't realize in Marion, we've got mediums and tellers. We've got witchcraft in our city. I didn't realize that literally students in college have statues and burden fragrances. I didn't know that. This generation is dying to say, like, like they, there's a spiritual war going on. And the church can't lay back and not walk in the fear of the Lord. So we've got, we've got nothing to, to wage war with this. Our weapons aren't carnal. And listen, I didn't realize this generation was dying this much for a spiritual connection. And I believe when they looked at the church, we weren't walking in the fear of the Lord, so they didn't see anything. They didn't have any water to quench their thirst. So they've turned elsewhere. Just as Simon the sorcerer entertained a whole city. They're settling with entertainment when really they were wired for encounter. They're settling for entertainment when they were wired for encounter. I heard somebody last time at communion said, I used to have to smoke weed to get this feeling. Come on, somebody didn't grab that. I had to smoke weed to get this feeling is what somebody said. But when I found the Holy Spirit, I didn't have to leave this feeling. This is what it was. Oh, I spent years looking for this. And all of a sudden, one moment with the Holy Spirit and they're wrecked. Come on. This is what it's about. This generation is ripe. They will stand in city ways. They will burn down cities. They will shut down streets, marching for what they believe in. Can you imagine if they looked at the church, found the water to quench their thirst? Our cities would be shut down for revival. Our cities would echo a sound, just as Teresa had said, a sound will go out through our cities. We will see Jesus enthroned on the praise of his people. Come on, church. People are looking. Come on. This is us. This isn't, that's not my personality. Everybody's walks different. I had somebody text me that in a message and I said, you're using that to stay stuck. I, I agree. Everybody's walks different. Rose story's a little different than mine. But we serve the same God and we're after the same thing. 
We want to see our city saved. We want to see people encounter Jesus. We, we got to get past these excuses because we're staying stuck. No water flowing. No oil to keep our lamps burning. So people t- turn their gaze upon the church and say, nope, not there. So we have, to, we have to ask for the fear of the Lord to come back into the camp. You notice I, I preached a message to the youth and I'll get, I'll get to some other stuff, but Whenever God was enthroned by the Israelites, there was a sound come out of the camp. And it brought fear to the other countries, to the people that served the other gods. Whenever God, whenever they turn to idols and they give somebody else that throne, the sound quit. I believe there's a sound that's going to erupt from the body. Not just in this country, but in this world. There's a global sound going to shake the atmosphere. You talk about airplanes breaking the sound barrier. Wait till God's people get a drink of the water. Come on, you don't want some of this Kool-Aid. Your lamp will be burning like never before. Come on, you'll see signs, miracles, and wonders at the grocery store. Come on. I want to get you guys fired up. Come on, The Lord's doing something. So we've experienced this great shaking and this great fall away. What are we going to do? Are we going to react or are we going to respond? Because I feel like in this hour, we've, we've been like the disciples in Acts chapter 1. Our mind says we want Acts chapter 2, but we're still stuck in Acts chapter 1. What's Acts chapter 1? Jesus, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom? And he's like, why don't you just go back to Jerusalem? Which when you look at the interlinear and break down Jerusalem, it's a place of teaching of peace. So if you would come to the peace that surpasses all understanding, find yourself in a place of worship, you'll get the Acts chapter 2 moment. But instead, we come to people and try to preach and answer the questions. God, at this time, you're going to restore the kingdom. And we're focused on answering their questions instead of entertaining, instead of leading them to encounter. This, this, come on. So we're going to keep moving or else I won't get to my notes. Some of the stuff the Lord gave me. He's been, I told Roe yesterday, we set up the pool table and, and uh, I'm kind of just asking, like, you ready for tomorrow? You know, and I'm like, well... My problem is at work and all these different things, it's stirring up inside of me. And normally I wait till about two hours before I got to go to say, okay, Lord, you've been stirring it in me all week. How's it come out? <laughs> I've got all the ingredients. Now I got to bake this, the lunch. You know, I got to get it done. I got to get it thrown in the oven. So, so I, I'm, I'm going to try to keep going with this and what he's given me throughout the week. Um, so I believe these 10 virgins are the church. Uh, anybody that, that, that has spent time locked away in the secret place of the Lord know His coming is drawing near. Peter said in the outpouring of the Spirit that was prophesied in Joel chapter 2, fulfilled in Acts chapter 2, he called those the last days, so where we're at now is the last of the last days. We see, uh, we see sorcery, we see all these different things, we see lust, we see adultery coming to the forefront and being labeled okay and good and just the way of the world. We see a generation trying to get rid of the old man and get rid of the old book. So then they have no conviction. We see these things manifesting in the forefront. Get rid of the old man and get rid of the old book. And then we can define what's good. And we can define what sits on the throne. We see this coming to the forefront. And church, we got to respond. But I'm afraid that we have acted. And I'm not saying all of you. I'm saying some of us have been the five foolish virgins. That in the time of shaking, we run out of oil. And now opportunities come to the forefront. Now God comes knocking at our door and we have no oil. So we've went and got distracted with other things. Trying to buy oil. So, without the fear of the Lord, we miss the invitation. We fall asleep. Our lamps burn out. 
and we have no longevity. You may have started good. Listen to this. They were virgins, pure, purity. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. Purity is everything. So they they were pure, but something happened. Something happened that they run out of oil. You may have started good, but you didn't finish well. Ro and I, he was telling me, sometimes he says so much wise things, I can't catch all of it. But I remember he was talking about finishing well. And I'm telling you, for the church, we need to finish well. This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. This is some of the greatest hours of visitation we're ever going to see. And all we got to do is lay at his feet. And I'm going to get, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. So what's the difference? This is some of your question. I'm going to answer it for you. What's the difference between living in the fear of the Lord and being afraid of God? Anybody think that? What's the difference between living in the fear of the Lord and being afraid of God? Well, listen to how John Brevere says it. Um, he says this. The person that is afraid of God has something to hide. Look at Adam. Run it back to Genesis. Adam, all he knew was intimacy. Love of the Father. You cannot have that without the fear, reverence, and all of God. So he was in awe of this beautiful creator doing life with the creation, walking in the cool of the day. You talk about awesome. He's walking with the Lord. I believe they were holding hands. Daniela and I and many people, we've had the joy of pastoring, have had encounters where they're back in the garden, spinning and dancing, because that's our origin. And origin is everything. So, so Adam and God walking in the cool of the day come across something. Hey, Adam, what do you want to name that? Perfect intimacy and unity with the Father. Walking in the fear of the Lord. There's some things in your life that you need to name. There's some things in your life that God's like, I'm waiting for you. Speak what you want over that and it'll happen. But when sin entered the camp, when all of a sudden Adam... Because Adam and Eve were one. So I look at it like they both walked in the cool of the day and they both picked other lovers because the two shall become one. And so Adam and Eve took their gaze off of God, exited out of the fear of the Lord, decided they wanted to be their own Lord because Eve saw that the fruit was good for wisdom. That's what she thought. And it was good for food. That's what she thought. So she ate it and they became afraid of the Lord. And what they do? Let's cover, let's make fig leaves. And they run and hide from the Lord. So they went from walking with the Lord, being in the fear of the Lord, walking in the fear of the Lord, to being afraid of the Lord. They were still in the garden. They still heard him coming. They heard his footsteps. But they hid in shame. That's being afraid of God. But the fear of the Lord is this. This is what John Brevere says. Walking in the fear of the Lord means you're actually afraid to be without him. When he said that, I literally, I promise you, I pulled my car over. He was listening to, or he was interviewing with a guy that I really love. And I was listening to him and, and he said, here's the difference. And he talked about being afraid of God and living in the fear of the Lord. And he said, living in the fear of the Lord is actually being afraid to be without him. And I pulled my car over and I just received that. And I felt the waves of glory hit me. Woo! Come on. Are we going to get to such an intimate place that God, I can't live without you. Your presence has to go before me. Sometimes we say that, but we're still hiding. We're afraid to be vulnerable. We're afraid. We have to move into living and walking in the fear of the Lord. Oh, come on, God. 
David said Psalm 5111. This has become the cry of my heart. Do not, I'm going to read it in King James because it's more spiritual. Listen to this. Do not cast thine Holy Spirit in thine presence from me. Out of all the things he said, oh, please don't take your spirit. Please don't take your presence from me, oh God. Man, come on, give us water, God. Give us water. He's digging some deep wells. We have to live. All last year's message comes to the forefront again in the fear of the Lord. Intimacy. I love you, Jesus. And I love you so much. I can't even begin to love you the way you love me. But I'm in all of you and all in reverence of you. And I'm afraid to be without you. So if it's not pleasing to you, take it out of me. Those that are in love with Jesus and walking in the fear of the Lord will never be afraid to walk through the fire of the spirit. Everybody wants Acts chapter 2 because they want to sound. They want to be at the face of the forefront of the movement throughout the city. But when they see the cost that it has to be paid of your life laid down so that the fire can come and burn away what's not of him, they don't want to pay that cost. So there again, no banks, water runs dry. People gazing upon the church and not seeing anything because our lamps run out of oil. I'm telling you, this is the hour to say, Lord, I'm in love. with. I give you my heart. And if it's not pleasing to you, take it out. I cannot live without you. I can't breathe without you. I can't make decisions without you. I can't go to work without you. I can't parent my kids without you. I can't drive my car without you. When are we going to get to a place where, listen, we are good for nothing but for him? We have so much mixture that Jesus, I believe he is searching to the ends of the earth, saying, who will step out from among them and be ye separate? Holiness is not a movement. It's a characteristic of God. He wants to send the fire to purify us. He's looking for a generation to live in holiness. He's looking for a generation to pursue righteousness. He's looking for a generation that will carry the face of God. And I'm telling you, holiness, it sounds scary. It sounds different. It sounds all these different things because we're afraid of God. But when you move into the fear of the Lord, you see it as an invitation to be in deeper love with him. And when you're in deeper love with him, you become an open door for the kingdom to flow. Mm. I don't, I might have to take off running. (laughs) So listen, we see the falling away and we have to, we have to get in this place where we walk in the fear of the Lord. Intimacy is everything because origin is everything. Jeremiah 1 5, I believe it is. He says, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. I consecrated you. We have to return back to intimacy. That's our origin. So we have to get back. The fear of the Lord is not I wear a three piece suit and tie to church, although that's not bad. We've seen the fear of the Lord polluted. The enemies brought pollution. So it's driven people away. Listen, we get into intimacy. Let me tell you, you get to loving on the Lord. You get to locking the door in the secret place. You get to getting two knee holes in your carpet from where you're seeking him. My God, the glory is going to come and mess you up. When David said, I am intoxicated on your wine. God will never refuse a heart after him. He'll never refuse a heart that's desiring him alone. And he will fill you up. It'll get oily in that room. Come on, we need to get oily. We don't need our lamps to burn out. It's time to bathe in the oil of God. It's time to get right. It's time to say, I had an encounter with God last week. Daniela had an encounter and it was so awesome. He told us the same thing. She got wrecked and 
in there and I was in, the, in my office and I heard the Lord. I'm not kidding. He said, close the door. I said, but nobody's here. And he said, close the door. And I said, well, I don't want to miss this moment. So I'm going to get up and I closed the door and we had a we had a, 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 a encounter that was parallel. And listen, I'm telling you, if you want to walk in the fear of the Lord. If you want to get in deep lovers type of language with the Lord where you can start seeing him, where he can start teaching you to walk in the fear of the Lord, where he can start filling your heart, you need to close the door. You need to get intimate with him. It's it. I'm telling you. God can trust a man with a blessing if he fears the Lord. God can trust a man with favor and woman and women. He can trust a man and woman with a favor if they fear the Lord. He can trust them with anointing if they fear the Lord. He can trust them with gifts of the Spirit if they fear the Lord. He can trust them with himself if you fear the Lord. We've come up with church preaching that said God doesn't have favorites. I'm not saying he made Roe and said I like Roe better than Blaine. But you can't have favor without favorites. And you decide if you're a favorite. If you're not seeing God move in your life, you, you obviously think you can live without him. You've taken intimacy at, at earthly level, at secular fleshly level. And so there's no fear of the Lord. There's no trust. There's no blessing. There's no favor. And people are gazing upon our lamp and it's burnout. It's burnout. So where do we go from here? All right. In this hour, we need blessing, wisdom, knowledge, power. We need revelation. We need bread of heaven. We need new wineskins now more than ever. So that can only come from the Lord. You say, yeah, I know that. That's simple. No, that can only come from the Lord. He is a jealous God. He's a jealous God. He can only give those when he's the only Lord. He's the only one on the throne. So. I want to look a little bit at uh, what Rose has been talking about, the light. It's a powerful series. If you haven't um, heard it, go back on the Facebook podcast, YouTube, all that good stuff. He has a series that he's been doing on the light. And I want to just throw a little bit of salt and pepper and season it just a little bit. Throw a little bit of spice on it. Throw a little touch on it. Add to it, if you will. The lamp produces what? Light. But it's a lamp, so, so the women were holding the lamp. You're not the light. Now bear with me, hang on. You're not the light. John 1, Jesus is the light of men. Jesus is the light. So I'm afraid that we have some people in the body saying, just plug me in, get me doing something, and I'll shine my light. But that's not the light of the Lord. He is the light. So in other words, if God's the light and he's the giver of all gifts, he gives the oil to keep the light burning. And how much oil we receive depends on how intimate we're willing to get. So you're not the light. Jesus is the light. But intimacy and purity determine the brightness and the range of the illumination. If you say, God, I feel like there's more inside of me. God, I feel like I, I, I want more of you, God. It's purity and intimacy that will not only make your light bright, burn brighter, but it will let you get further. Brightness and range is given through intimacy and purity. Write that down. Intimacy and purity give you brightness and range. So 
Purity brings the encounter. Again, my favorite, favorite part of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. Wednesday, when we were in youth, Danny was leading worship, and the Lord gave me a scripture from, uh, I think it was maybe Peter and John on Solomon's porch, and he said, refreshment comes from the face. There is a place of intimacy where you will see the face of God. That you will encounter his presence in tangible ways. In spiritual ways where it's supernatural and there's tangible ways. That you will encounter the presence of God. Purity brings the encounter. So first off, we have to be pure after the heart of Jesus. After him and him alone. Not just for the light. Not just for what you can do. But purely for him. For him. So, um, without encounter, you won't last. So again, if purity is brought to you by intimacy and purity brings oil, you won't last if you're not purely after Jesus. If you're not purely locking the door in the secret place. If you're not seeking him, there's no oil and you won't last. Are you guys tracking with me? Am I losing you tracking with me? Okay, just making sure. So um, we're going to look at the lamp again. The eye, it says, is the lamp of the heart, right? Scriptures say that. Your eye is the lamp of your heart. So as we set our minds on things above, and when you say out of the overflow of your heart, God, take preeminence of my life, your eyes turn upon him. And if your eyes the lamp into your heart, when you turn your gaze upon him, that's when you receive him. I told our youth group, I said, how many of you want to see a shift in your generation? And they all raised their hands. I said, without intimacy, you won't have anything to say. You may say, I'm willing to go. I'm going to shake the nations. I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach. What are you going to say? Because I'm afraid we've heard a lot of teaching, but we haven't felt a lot of oil. The only thing that's going to feed and, and bring harvest to this generation and to this world is oily words, oily worship, where we purely desire, God, if you didn't come, we failed. I don't care. Danny and Richie should not gauge success off of how many of you jumped in worship. They gauge success off of did you come? Because if you didn't come, we failed. And so we have to move into this place where we, where we say, Jesus, we purely, we just want you. We set our gaze, our eyes that are the lamp, we set our gaze upon you. It's not being ignorant to what's going on in the world. It's acknowledging the creator of the world. And you'll, you'll, you'll start to realize, oh, he hasn't fallen off of his throne. Oh, he's not shaken by what's happening in this country. Oh, that's how I love those people that don't agree with me. I set my gaze on the Lord. You cannot tell me that you want the heart of the Father, but yet cut people down that don't agree with you. Doesn't work that way. And when you do that, you block. You're not walking in the fear of the Lord. You block the water, so you start to run dry. That's not purity. That's not setting your eyes up on the things above. Because when you set your eyes on the things above, you start to see people, different colors, different cultures, different ways they vote. You start to see them through the eyes of Jesus. You start to see them through the eyes of Jesus and you get a little oily and you get a little oily. And then guess what? You speak truth to their spirit. You speak truth to their situation. You learn how to love them, but not be conformed, but yet speak the truth. I'm living in the truth of who he is. I'm speaking the truth, but I'm not conformed. He's on the throne. My eyes are upon him. Him and him alone. Walking in the fear of the Lord. So, so when we set our mind on things above, Colossians 1 says that we've inherited a kingdom of light. 
He is light. We've inherited that kingdom. And you may say the kingdom, but a, a kingdom without a king is just dumb. So we can't just say kingdom come. When you say thy kingdom come, you're saying king come. King Jesus. King Jesus come. Because a king, a kingdom without a king is just dumb. So we're talking about the king. We've inherited Jesus in our lives. He is like the lamp in our lives and our intimacy determines how much he burns. It determines how much of a doorway we become to the kingdom of God, to the things of God. So let's see where are we going, Lord, where are we going? There's a scripture I shared with the teens about calling and it says, you know, it's talking about don't seek approval from those that didn't approve you. And it talks about seeking the one who examines the heart. Listen, I want, I told Jesus on Wednesday, I said, cut us open, get your scalpel and cut us to the core and look inside our hearts. Make that what's desirable for you. I can't, I don't know if I'm going to go all the way there. He examines the heart. He examines the heart. What's he see when he cuts you open and examines your heart? Pastors of this church, there's quite a few of us. When he cuts us open, what does he see? Worship team, when he cuts you open, what does he see? What does he see? How to get people excited or how to usher him in? That's where we're going. Come on, that's where we need to go. It's him, kingdom come. I don't know about you, but there is a lot of evil going on in the world. And I realized I can't yell at it in tongues. I, I, I can't do the religious things that we've done to try to scare it away. We've tried that. We've tried shouting in tongues. Now, if he calls you to do that, do that. But we can't just yell at it and scream and bind and rebuke when you don't have the power to bind and rebuke it because you haven't been with the one that can bind and rebuke it. Come on. He's calling to us. He's calling from the love chamber. He's calling. He's calling. Some of us are going to walk into that love chamber and close the door before we leave. So, as he examines the heart... And as he examines the heart, he fills with the Holy Spirit. The lamp provides the oil for the lamp to burn. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Our lamp burns with wisdom. Our lamp burns with knowledge. Our lamp burns with understanding. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's all coming together. The Holy Spirit burns inside of you to give you a light that illuminates and you bring wisdom to situations. You bring knowledge to different things, different people. You have different counsel in your Lord and in your life than other people do. So the the lamp itself provides the oil and he starts to burn through us and he burns as we lay. See, here's where the 10 virgins made a mistake. They went out to await the bridegroom, right? And I believe he's calling us saying, come on, I'm coming. I heard Corey Russell say it this way. Hey, kids, you better come on in. It's getting dark out. And as we come in, we get our lamps. And we await the bridegroom's return. But here's where I believe is the mystery of the ten virgins. They fell asleep. And God's saying, don't fall asleep. You can rest. Don't fall asleep. Because as you rest at my feet, I go to work. It's not your light. You're not the light. I'm the light. Lay at my feet and I'll burn through you. But that only comes through, Lord, I can't live without you. I'm afraid to live without you. That comes through the fear of the Lord. You want your light to burn? I bet you you need to start getting an appetite to say, I can't live without you, Papa. Come on. I, I, can't, I can't move. I can't live. I can't do anything without you. So I'm going to lay here at your feet. And you'll bring the kingdom to earth more when you're laying at his feet than you are signing up for every event on the church registry. You will. Man, somebody's going to catch the fire. 
Come on, you're going to burn. We're lighting lanterns this morning. We're lighting them. Holy Spirit's going to bring some oil. So he, th- this lamp, he provides the oil. He provides the oil as we set our minds and our hearts on things above. This whole election thing, this whole thing that we saw in 2020, I learned more than ever how to set my gaze on him. Lord, give me wisdom. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Got people from both sides calling, asking, what do I say? I've learned in this great shaking and this great falling away that God is saying now more than ever, come lay at my feet. How do I know this is so vital? Because the only time Jesus ever says this is one, this, this one time he says it in the scriptures when Mary chooses the one thing that matters and busts the anointing oil over the feet of Jesus. The only time he says this, he, he looks at her and says, what you did will be proclaimed every time the gospel is preached. So there's something about laying at his feet with a pure heart to just say, Jesus, all I want is you and you alone. There's something about that that shakes hell and lights your lamp and does things in the spiritual realm that you don't even know are happening and you didn't have to sign up for it all you did was lay at his feet because you said papa i can't live without you i don't want to post without you i heard an, I, I wish i come up with cool things like this but i heard another one said we're gonna we're getting to a place where we need to get out of chat rooms and get into prayer rooms and nobody won a war over chat on facebook He said, it's time we get out of chat rooms and get into prayer rooms and get a little oily. It's time we get out of dry, boring chat rooms. You're not winning a war there. Getting at the feet of Jesus, you'll start to see things shake and you'll see hell quiver. Because every time you get at the feet of Jesus, the enemy is reminded, I'm doomed forever. I didn't just lose this battle. I'm doomed for eternity. But when we look at the flesh, we just say, God, how can I see, how can I see you win this little thing? Man, why don't you start to get oily and remind the devil you're eternally beat, bud? <laughs> I'm setting my mind on things above. I'm laying at the feet of Jesus and he's doing more there than anything I could dream about doing. So here's where we're going. <sighs> here's where we go. As we stare, he burns through us. As I, I taught the youth when we did this calling series, um, It's only when we answer the first two calls, which is the call to divine salvation and the call to intimacy. There, when we answer those calls, then we can be launched. So, so yes, you should want your light and your lamp to burn. But you have to answer this and walk in this fear of the Lord where I'm answering the call to your feet. I'm answering this place of first love and intimacy. You remember in Revelation chapter 2 verse 4 where it says the loveless church. And he goes on and lists all the things they've done and it's great. It's great. They knew they could discern evil. They did all these things, but God's like, well, I got this one thing against you. You left your first love, meaning they quit walking in the fear of the Lord. They lost their love for God, and they just kept going through the motions. A lamp wasn't burning, but the church was open every Sunday, taking ties, taking different things, speaking words, and the oil was just not there. The lamp, the supernatural lamp that burns into the all three heavens, the ones that changes life, that light wasn't allowed to burn. And so we've got to stay in this place of the fear of the Lord and in first love. All right. So um, the virgins that run out of oil, they switch their gaze. They switch their gaze and their lights went out. The Holy Spirit is the oil. It's the same oil that anointed Jesus. Jesus didn't do one miracle that we read about until he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. And then he went about healing 
the lepers, cleansing the lepers. The blind would see, the lame would walk. All those different things we're familiar with. They, they, he, he had his gaze up on the Father. The heavens were open. He turned his gaze to the Father and he was anointed and his light started to burn. I felt like saying this again. Blessed are those who wait upon the Lord. When you go into your secret place tonight after you leave this building, I want you to close the door and wait. Wait on him. There's nothing else that matters. There's nothing else that matters. In this hour, I hope that the shaking you went through made you realize those things I can't find my identity in and I can't get provision from those things. There will be no unity in our country through different people. It's only Jesus. It's only him being enthroned. It's only him. It's when his people walk in the fear of the Lord. If God ever has a weak spot for his people, it's when you start walking in the fear of the Lord, he starts to move. You start walking in reverence of him. You start putting a little fast on your life to start to see the real you and see what's really at the core of your heart. He's going to start putting a little oil on it and you're going to start to burn. You're going to start to see unity. You're going to start to see healing manifest in your life. So I want to talk about the oil real quick. Um, pastor had, I think he talked a little bit about oil last Sunday and, and, and I'm, I'm all for anointing. It's real. It's a thing we need in this hour, but so many desire direction and call direction anointing that we miss the affection that the Lord's desiring. We desire direction. He wants affection. And so the oil, look at first John, write this in your notes. I'll read it. First John chapter two, verse 27. It says, but the anointing, which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, do you know what all means in the Hebrew? All. Do you know what it means in the Greek? Do you know what it means in Spanish? Oh, you guys are scholars. Teach you all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. So I want you to understand anointing. Yes, it'll, it'll bring this place of, 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 of power to do what he's called you to do, but anointing at its core causes you to remain with him. And I'm not using this as an excuse to say, oh, it'll teach me so I don't have to come to church anymore. Oh, I don't have to plug in anymore because I'm just spirit led. No, it's saying that when you leave the church Sunday, you can still be growing spiritually. You can still be receiving. You can get more oil if you lock the door and seek him. If you desire this fear of the Lord like Adam walked in, where you're walking in the cool of the day, the spirit will begin to reveal things and teach you things. And all of a sudden, you're so wrapped up at the feet of Jesus. You're so receiving all this oil that people around you are getting saved. People around you are getting healed. You say, what I do, I was just at the feet. And all of a sudden, hell starts to shake and leave your city. And the sorcery starts to leave your city. And the generation that's desiring the spiritual connection starts to receive it. All because you're getting oil from laying at the feet of Jesus. Because let's turn our gaze from direction and say, God, I could lead that group of people in that city if you want me to. Turn it to him and he'll lead you. And he'll launch you. And he'll provide the oil. And you won't fall asleep like the ten virgins, but you'll be at rest. You'll be sitting there at the feet of Jesus while he's going out healing cancer. While he's going out driving out anxiety while he's going out bringing the prodigals home while he's going out anointing the shopping cart that you touch so the next person grabs it and gets electrocuted by the spirit 
I believe that the supernatural is still alive and active. And it's up to us that we start to walk in the fear of the Lord that will activate the oil of heaven to run. Come on, I'm going to finish up. The oil keeps the lamp burning. We can't fall asleep. We cannot run out of oil. This is the hour. We're going to see an encounter right before the bridegroom opens the door to say, come on in, kids. Come on in, wife. I've prepared our room. But there's encounters as we're waiting. I don't want us to just sit here and say, it's getting darker. What are we going to do? I'm going to be laying. I'm going to be surrendering, as Richie sang this morning. I'm going to be surrendered. I'm going to let my life be an open door. So, I believe Rose been sharing some dreams with different stuff with the, with the gathering place. I believe as small groups and homes start to open up, we're going to move from just chatting and gossip where living rooms start turning into holy rooms. Where living rooms, you better not sit on that couch if you don't want to experience the Holy Spirit. Because I've been speaking in tongues over that thing. I've been prophesying over my living room. And listen, I'm speaking from experience. My cousin Ashley and Kyle, their living room turned into a delivery ward. We have people shaking and falling out on their couch. Because we let we laid at the feet of Jesus and let that lamp burn. And that living room turned into a lighthouse. And guess what? A lighthouse attracts the sick. So I don't look at this generation saying there's no hope. I say, God, I'm going to lay here and let my lamp burn, baby, because I'm ready. The harvest is now. You're not going to catch me sleeping. You're not going to catch my oil out. God, send me. I'll be at your feet. And while my spirit's at your feet, you're doing things in my life. Chat rooms to prayer rooms, living rooms to holy rooms. I did the living room one, so if you want to tweet that, you can put that. The fear of the Lord. I'm afraid to live without you. Come on, we've got to answer this call to consecration, to holiness, purely after him. Purely after him. Him and him alone. If it's not pleasing to you, if I'm watching something that's drawing you from me, let me turn it off. Let me cancel that subscription. Let me not listen to this music. Let me not do this, God. I won't want to live without you. I don't want to live without you. Keep me in alignment with you, Papa. Keep me in alignment with your heart. Keep me in alignment. We're moving to this place where Moses, this is the encounter Daniela and I had, and he's moving me into this. We're going to move from just presence coming because we're two or more gathered and ask him to come. He comes. He says, I'm going to start coming in glory. What he told us is he said, listen, Exodus, Moses said, if your presence doesn't go, I don't want to go. So he said, hey, joy comes in the morning. In the morning, meet me and prepare yourself. And when he prepared himself, he had two tablets that God, he put the Ten Commandments on. And I believe as we prepare ourselves, he's inscribing our hearts. And what happened is as Moses prepared himself and presented himself on top of the mountain to Jesus, the glory of the Lord come. And the glory of the Lord went in front of Moses, around Moses. And what did it do? It declared the name of the Lord. It declared the name of the Lord. And as you lay at his feet, as he fills your lamp with oil, he's going to go before you. And that illumination makes a sound. And that, that, that light coming out of you is a light. And that light is producing a sound that's proclaiming the name of the Lord. At that, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Every devil in hell will have to be driven out of a person's life. Our cities will be glorified. Jesus will sit at the throne of our cities. Jesus will sit on the throne of our households. The glory of the Lord is at hand. The glory of the Lord is desiring to burst forth in our lives. If we will walk in the fear of the Lord and lay at his feet. And lay at his feet. Let him bring the oil. Let him bring the increase. Let him do the work in your life. While you lay and just love on him. While you lay and you, you're led by the Spirit. While you're in, in, interacting in this, this marriage relationship.
So I want to drop this on you and we're done. This is it. This is what I'm leaving with you. I skipped half my notes, but maybe there'll be another time we can go through it. God, give me this word and it's for you to take home. He's dropping an RPG on your life. An RPG. What's an RPG? Soldiers yell it when like a grenade launcher shoots it out and it blows up, right? Close enough. It's an RPG. Here's what he's doing to your life. If you want this, if you want this glory to flow from your life, if you want your lamp for him to burn through you, if you want him to provide the oil, you need an RPG. And it's this. Rend your hearts. And Joel, he said, rend your hearts, not your clothes. Quit going through these, these, these motions of tearing your clothes, saying you repent, but nothing changes. Rend your hearts. Tear it open. Jesus, come on. If it's not of you, take it out of me. Rend your hearts. That's the R. The P. Purify us with fire. Purify us with fire. And as he purifies, that's the, that's the fire that lights your lamp. As he purifies you, he brings oil because you're at his feet. As you're loving on him, he's lighting your fire. He's bringing the oil. He's doing things in your life that, that you have no, that you can't even begin to take credit for. And then the G is the glory. Rend your hearts, purify us with fire, and bring your glory. As we are with you, let your light be a supernatural light in our life. Let our living rooms turn into lighthouses. Let our kitchens turn into lighthouses. When you meet with people for coffee, invite the glory of God. Make sure you're laying at his feet as you're doing coffee with people. Come on, we don't need opinions. We need the glory. Come on, we need to speak to people's spirits. We need to let King Jesus come and do what only he can do. We need the oil from heaven. We need the RPG that says, God, rend my heart, purify me, and let your glory go before me, proclaiming the name of the Lord. And it all starts with walking in the fear of the Lord. Lord, I can't live without you. I cannot live without you. I cannot live without you. So as we close, I believe the glory of the Lord is here. I want you to just get in the place where you're, it's just you and the Holy Spirit. Get in the place where it's just you and Papa. It's just you and the Lord. I want you to let him open up your heart. Rend your hearts. Is your desire purely after him? Do you really love the Lord? Are you willing to let everything else in your life die just to be with him? Oh, rend me, oh God. I want to be intimate with you. I want to love you, Jesus. I want to be this bride and you're the bridegroom. And the next, some of you need to ask for the fire of heaven to fall. And bring purity over your life. Bring this cleansing. Light that lamp. Light that lamp that'll burn. And then others of you, I just want you to just ask the Lord. Lord, send your glory out before me. And all that I do, send your glory, Lord. To, pro- to proclaim the name of the Lord. Before I go to eat today. Before I go to the grocery store. Before I go, God, proclaim the name of the Lord. 
Jesus, Jesus. Come on, we're going to see a generation. We may have seen a fallen away, but we're going to see a generation ignite for Jesus. We're going to see a generation laying at the feet of Jesus. We're going to see prodigals come home. We're going to see moms and dads that have lived in their own life as their own Lord come to know Jesus in this hour. We're going to see the greatest harvest that's ever been in human history. If we will begin to lay at the feet of Jesus. It's that easy. Come on, Marion, we'll be saved. Many of us are here. Pastor Rowe and I both are here because God led us to Marion. Marion will be saved. You're here. God has you in, in this quarter, in this hour, because he wants to flow his glory through you. 